You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right. Uh, well, we're going to be in Romans. We're going to start in Romans today, but we're going to end up in 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you would please turn over to the book of uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, hold your place there, and then go over to the book of Romans chapter number 12. I'm going to try to pick up where I left off last week, and I want to begin by asking you a question today. How is your walk? How is your walk? 1 Peter 1, how are you doing in this race that we call life? Do you keep falling on your face? While you're trying to run uh, the race that God has before you, you're trying to be the man that God would have you to be, but you just keep falling on your face, the woman, the boy, the girl, uh, and you just keep, seems like you, you try a little bit, and then you fail, and then you get up and try again. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but I can certainly identify with wh- how that feels. You're trying to do right, you're trying to run this race, you're trying to walk with the Lord, But you fall, you get back up again, it feels like you fall again. Uh, Sometimes, have you ever got to the point in your life to where you've maybe begun to think that you weren't meant to be a winner? You know, that's for other people. Other people, I guess, succeed. Other people are winners. But I am not meant to be a winner. And maybe you passed that point a long time ago and you just feel like that you are a, a defeat. You are a loser. You are never going to get it right. You are never going to accomplish and be the person uh, that God put you on this earth to be. Well, if that's the case, I want to tell you today how you can get back on track. How you can get back on track. And if you're walking today and you're struggling to keep a consistent walk, and if you're running that race and you're having a hard time staying on your feet, folks, I'm here to tell you today and give you some really good news that God uh, tells us how that we can be winners. How we can stay on our feet. And, uh, and that begins with Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. And I want to read verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. And again, I want to remind you, the book of Romans is an absolutely wonderful book in God's word. If you're not familiar with it, get familiar with it. Read it and read it again. You come across a word that that intrigues you, pause and look it up. Uh, You come across a passage you're not sure what it's talking about, take the time to study it out. But he says, I beseech you, therefore. In other words, because of what has previously been stated in the, in the, the 11 chapters that, were, that preceded chapter 12, I beseech you, I'm begging you on this behalf. In other words, it talks about how that all mankind are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But aren't you glad that God had a plan? The Lord knew that we needed forgiveness, so He sent the Lord Jesus Christ to bear our sins. Uh, he died on the cross. He carried our sins. And the Bible deals with all this. It deals with our salvation. It deals with justification, forgiveness. It deals with our glorification. It's absolutely magnificent, uh, the truths that are uh, discussed from uh, chapters 1 through 11. But he says, on the basis of that, I am beseeching you, I am begging you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, he's saying, would you be willing to trust God with your life? 
If you're a person here today and you've not yet trusted Christ with your sins and your soul, I encourage you today, if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, I'm not trying to get you to convert to some religion. I'm not trying to get you to join this church. I'm trying to introduce you to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to tell you that there's a God in heaven that loves you. He knows you. He loves you. He bore your sins on the cross. He died for them. And He died for you. He rose again on the third day so that you could have your sins forgiven so that you could be in a relationship with Him. Amen. And so if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, boy, I tell you, you can know Him uh, before this day uh, is over. But if you are saved by God's grace, I'm telling you, would you be willing to say, okay, Lord, I've trusted you with my soul. Now I'm willing to trust you with my life. There's a great encouragement in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 where the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. But we must be willing to trust the Lord and say, God, I give you my life. He said to present our bodies. See, Satan, did you know this world wants, to, wants us to use our bodies to, for the purpose of sin and destruction? Uh, but God says, I want to use your body as a means of glorification to myself and as a blessing to uh, each of us. God wants to use you. He wants to bless you. And so he's encouraging that. But now the, the only way we're going to get to that point is in verse two, where the Bible says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed transformed. That word transformed right there, folks, is where we get our word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is a scientific term. It, it refers to uh, when a the, the transition that takes place when a caterpillar, for instance, is transformed, metamorphosized into a butterfly. Or a tadpole is transformed, metamorphosized into a frog. I mean, it's, it's a change that takes place in the butterfly, for instance, or in the caterpillar, that it's unrecognizable. God wants to transform your life. And I thank God for the transformation that God has done in my life and is continuing to do in my life. I certainly do not stand before you as the finished product today. If that were so, that would be very sad. <laughs> I mean, in other words, I'm not all that, uh, that I ought to be. But folks, I want to tell you something today. I am not what I used to be. You're looking at a man that's been transformed. Not that I've transformed myself, but that God has transformed me through His Word. So He says that, that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation takes place from God's working from the inside out. Conforming takes place when there's pressure on the outside to try to uh, get you to be a certain way. But God doesn't want you to conform. He wants you to be transformed. God wants you to live in a glorious freedom and a, a glorious uh, love and a, and a joyous life. The Bible calls it the abundant life. But the only way that's going to happen, he says, is by be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And that's what I want to emphasize once again today. The renewing of your mind. Last week toward the end of the message, we emphasized how that the renewing of your mind, that has to do with renovation. 
You ever renovated something, you tear out the old and you build up the new. Folks, some of us have some mental models that we need to break down because they are incorrect and they're inaccurate. And we need to build back proper mental models and mental images in our heads. Some of us, uh, you know, you, we may have suffered from abuse uh, early on in our lives that we still uh, that still have such a stronghold in our minds and lives. And we, we can't seem to move on from those. But I'm telling you, the Bible says we can experience experience power and uh, overcoming even from those things. You, you, some of us may have been told you know, that, that we were worthless or no good or never amount to anything or whatever the case may be. We may believe today that we're unloved and we're alone and that we're just destined for failure. But I'm here to tell you folks, those things need to be torn down and replaced with the truth of God's Word. So that's the re- renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that acceptable, that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. But today, I want to look a little bit. See, God doesn't just tell us that we need to have our minds transformed. He lets us know a little bit about how to have our minds transformed. And I want to deal with at least one aspect of that this morning. And that will be in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. And I just want to read verses 13 and 14 this morning. Verses 13 and 14. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. That's interesting right there. When the Bible says as obedient children, not fashioning. That fashioning right there is the same word for conforming. That's used in Romans 12 verse number 2. And so, gird up the loins of your mind. I, I started the message today by asking you a question. How's your walk? How's your race going as a Christian? How, how's it going? Are, are you the man that, that, are you consistently the man that you want to be? Consistently the woman, the boy, the girl that you want to be for Christ? How's your walk? How's your run? Because the reason I ask that is the Bible says we need to gird up our loins. Gird up the loins of our mind. So I want to preach on this thought today. Don't be tripping. Don't be tripping. (laughs) And and I mean that from this in, in a real sense. The Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind. I brought my bathrobe this morning. I meant to wear it up here and try to give you an illustration, but it's back there in the back. Uh, You want to go get that for me, Evan? Hustle now. Let's see if you can do it. That boy Moses, like you wouldn't believe. He's slow as grandma's molasses, I'm telling you. Drives me crazy. And that's him hustling right now. Look at him go. Um, amen. There we go. And uh, come on, the pot roast is going to burn. Okay, listen. Uh, gird up the loins of your mind. And I'll try to give you the illustration, but uh, the illustration of girding up the loins for your mind is uh, interesting here because in the book of Romans, he's about to enter into some very practical instructions about how to, ha- how to have success in this life. How to have success as a person. See, folks, the book that I have today, this book tells us how to have success in our lives, in our personal lives. It tells us how to be successful in our marriages. This isn't going to work because my robe isn't long enough. 
Amen. Okay, uh, it tells us how we can be successful in our marriages. It tells us how that we can be successful with child rearing. The Bible gives us instruction on all these things. Our finances. God's Word gives us instructions on all these things. The Bible has the answers and, and offers sound science and philosophy. The cornerstone to laying hold of these magnificent truths is to build your life and legacy upon this. Transforming the mind. I bet you never had a preacher preach to you in his bathroom, did you? I wished it was a little bit longer. I might just take it off like this, maybe to increase the illustration. My wife is making the funniest faces. Just be glad that you're not in my family. Amen. Imagine what that'd be like. Some of you are embarrassed as members. Just imagine if you're my wife. All right. Gird up your loins. Okay, so don't be tripping. Gird up the loins of your mind that is used to reference something. In, 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 the, in, the, in, in the Eastern culture, this wasn't just a concocted verse that came out of nowhere. There's an extremely powerful and graphic picture that God uses that expresses something very important that you and I need to understand in our lives. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, in Bible times, uh, men wore long, flowing robes, much like the one that I have on up here today. When they were going to run, to work, to plow, to fight, they would pull up the loose ends of their robe. So just imagine this is a robe. So they got the robe here and it would be on further down. That's why I'm saying it's not big enough. And what they would do is they would take their robe and they would gird up their loins. And so they would get these loose hanging down things and they would be all the way down to the feet. So it would be hard to run. It would be hard to work. It would be hard to fight with this all down around your feet. You know what's going to happen? You know what did I mention earlier? You're probably going to trip. You may fall. It's going to inhibit your progress. So what they do is they gird up their arms. So they would take the loose ends of their ropes and they would wrap them around real tight. And some of the brethren would get aggravated because this would start looking like they was wearing shorts. But they would take these loose ends and they would tie them around real tight. Man, this just ain't working. But they would then tuck them into their belt. They would wrap it around real tight and they would tuck it into their belt. Okay, Melanie, sorry. <laughs> I want to ask you to keep that image in your mind. <laughs> Maybe you need to get that. In your mind. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, gird up the loins of your mind. So, so they they would have known exactly what this meant. You've got loose clothing down around your feet. You can't run effectively. You can't walk. You can't war. You can't, you can't do what God would have you to do. Listen, and in, in our Christian life, God compares our Christian walk to a walk. To running a race. To fighting the battle. To working. But you know what? If we have, if our mind is all loose and inhibiting our pride, that, that's the problem. Why do I keep falling on my face? Because we, we keep tripping over our own thoughts. Amen. That's good. We keep tripping over the same old things over and over again. And we wonder what's going on. And the whole time, we just got these thoughts that are just dangling everywhere. And it's making it hard for us to win. Amen. I'm trying to tell you, don't be tripping. You don't have to trip. You can gird up the loins of your mind and you can go and work and run and walk successfully. 
But you must first gird up the loins of your mind. See, as we think about this, getting, getting the loose ends tied up. Think about a runner. Think about a runner get, that would get in trouble if he ever allowed his garments to fall down and become entangled in his legs. Even though he may have been picking up his stride and running a good race up to that point, the encumbrance, uh, the encumbrance of the dangling, loosely hanging clothes would hinder his steps and allow those loose ends to keep dangling. They're going to make you lose the race. They're going to make you fail. They're going to trip you up. They're going to inhibit your, your progress. So the girdle, the, the, they would wear a belt and then they would tuck those loose ends into that belt nice and tight. So what is it referring to here? This transformation of the mind. Number one, deal with the loose ends that exist in our minds and our emotions. Deal with the loose ends. What do we have that's kind of tripping us up? What thoughts? What emotions that we keep falling back into over and over again? Correct those parts of our thinking that we know are wrong. Grab hold of all those loose, dangling areas in our thinking and put them out of the way. Now how do we do this? See, if you weren't wearing a belt, you couldn't properly gird up your loins. You could you try to wrap it around your legs real tight, but if you didn't have a belt to tuck it in, it's just going to fall right back out again. So what do we do? We remove these loose, these loose ends in our thoughts and minds by the Word of God. And then what we do, we, 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 we are choosing to permit things to exist in our lives that will hinder our steps if we don't deal with them and slow us down in the race in our ability and success to walk for God. Now this is really interesting. Gird up the loins of your mind. Wrap them up tight. Tuck them into your belt. The Bible teaches in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, it gives us the armor of God. What an image. The armor of God. And it talks about the sword of the Spirit. And it talks about the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. See, and what many of us do is we go out into battle and we've got the armor. And we've got our sword. I mean, and we're going out in, in, in to fight the enemy. And we're going out there to be the man, the woman that God would have us to be. We want to have the marriage that God wants us to be. We want to be the people that we believe we can be, that God says we can be. And we've got our sword and we've got our shield. But I want you to get a picture of this. Imagine this. We put so much emphasis on, uh, on the sword and the helmet and these other things. Can you imagine someone going out into the battlefield with a shining helmet and a blazing sword and a strong shield? And right when you lift up that uh, sword and you hold that shield out, your britches fall down around your ankles. And you trip and fall flat on your face. That is, that is the explanation. That describes us a lot of times in our Christian life. I'm ready to go. I'm going to fight. Bam, there we go again. You know, we, 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 we come to church and we get in God's Word. Man, we get stirred and, and we hear a message that, that God said He wants to do something in our lives. He wants to use us. He's got success for us. He's got an abundant life for us. And we say, 
That's true. I believe that. And we go off marching. And I'm telling you, and I've seen people get so excited. And I've seen people, uh, you know, getting a grasp of that thing. That's wonderful. Man, I'm going to live for God now. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to walk with the Lord. But I'm telling you, there are some people who don't hardly get out of the parking lot before they trip. And fall. Why? Because there's still a lot of loose dangling thoughts out there that haven't been brought into this. Notice this. We think about the sword and the helmet, but you know what the, what, you know what the very first piece of armor is? Ephesians 6.14 Stand therefore. How? Having your loins girt about with truth. You can forget about the sword. You can forget about the helmet. You can forget about the shield. You can forget about the shoes. You can forget about all of it. He said, very first thing, you better have your belt on. You better have truth. You better have something to be able to gather in all these thoughts that come through our heads. We've got to set, whether we put them in there or whether they've just come through, we've got to have something, truth. To get a hold of these loose ends and and dangling parts of our minds and get our minds under control. We need to learn to control our minds is what God is saying. Not letting somebody else control our minds, amen, but us. Did you know God has gifted you with a pretty great gift in your mind? And one of the great things about your mind, as I said it last week, but you can only think one thought at a time. Did you know that? You can only think one thought at a time. So what happens? If you're thinking a thought that's causing you to trip, you might ought to pull that thought up and find some place and tuck it into the Word of God. See, see, you start thinking this thought, for instance. I feel forsaken. I feel all alone. I feel like God's forgotten about me. But then I say, but wait, I can grab that thought. And I can tuck it into the truth because you know what I can say? Wait a second. I may feel that way, but you know what Jesus said? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm going to tighten that up. I'm not tripping on that. That's not true. I'm a loser. Man, I just keep falling. I keep messing up. I I, I just ain't going to get it right. I might as well give up. That, That starts getting out there. It starts tripping me up a little bit. But then I think, wait a second. I grab a hold of that thought and say, nope. You know what? I've got something to tuck that in too. Jesus said, I'm more than a conqueror through Him that loved me. Amen? Amen. Oh, somebody says, man, I'm being haunted by my past sins and the things I've done wrong. And I mean, man, it's it's just tearing me up and I just can't get past them. But folks, we can grab a hold of that and say, you know what? The Bible says uh, that that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, I could go on and on, but there's so many of these things we keep getting tripped up on. And the problem is, some of us don't know the truth. And the reason we don't know the truth is because we ain't putting it on. And the way we put the truth on is by putting the truth in. What I'm telling you today is to get into the Word. Hear the Word. Read the Word. And we're going to try try to help you and encourage you as we go into 2020. I'm wanting to offer, you know, at least, now you can do what you want to do, but I just want to make it, for those that would be interested, encourage people going into 2020, I was thinking about three different Bible reading programs that we could kind of be a part of, that we could kind of get, get involved in. I thought about one that's read your Bible through in a year, start in Genesis and, and, and read through Revelation. I thought about getting another program for people that might be interested in reading the Bible through chronologically this coming year. 
Or then I thought about another one that was thinking more of the saturation approach. Of rather than reading the Bible through in a year, maybe it takes you a month to be, read the book of Romans. Not because you're reading a verse a day, but because you're reading two or three chapters. You might read the two or three chapters, same two or three chapters every day for a week. Mark down the things that you think of and, and just saturate yourself with the Word of God. But what I'm trying to encourage you with this morning is get into the truth. Amen. And I am so glad today that I, as I stand before you here, that, that the Bible, New Testament Christianity teaches that you can know. Because you're a child of God. He's given a Bible and you can understand your Bible. You can know your Bible. You can let God's Word transform your life. It's not just for a chosen few. It's not just for those that went to cemetery. It's for those uh, also that went I mean, to seminary. But, it's, uh, but it's, 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 it's for all. It's, it's, it's for you. Amen. The Bible teaches the priesthood of the believer. It teaches that. I mean, get in the Word because here's what's going to happen. Preacher, I keep tripping, I keep tripping, I keep tripping. Don't be tripping. Start by getting in the Word. Read it. Study it. Learn it. Memorize some verses. Amen. It will transform your life. Get the belt on. Amen. How am I going to get a hold of these thoughts that I'm thinking? Man, you got to bring them before the Lord and you got to tuck them in. Amen. And so check your belt before you go out into the battle. Make sure you got the truth. If we want to be successful in our spiritual lives and truly walk with God, we must start by dealing with the loins of our minds. In other words, we must seek to deal with all the loose ends in our thinking that haven't yet been submitted to the Word of God or surrendered to the Holy Spirit's power. When I begin to face temptation, temptation gets in my mind. And you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? Young people, old people. The Bible says that stolen waters are sweet. Stolen waters are sweet. And it's talking about in the, in, in the, in the realms of fornication. And, and, but it doesn't just apply to fornication or adultery. But it also has to do with the fact, in other words, grass is kind of greener on the other side. Something you don't have is probably what you need. And you start thinking along those lines. And you start thinking and, and you start believing the, 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 the things that are not true in this world, which is, number one, you know, things along the lines of there's no absolutes. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's no good. There's no evil. We're absolutely sure there's no absolutes. And we think it's evil to proclaim that there's no good or to, to say that there is good or evil. That's wrong. I mean, you, you see, you see some of that. I mean, we will not tolerate intolerance. You know, in other words, there are some things that aren't truth. And let me tell you something else here. We've got a whole lot of people today speaking their truth. It ain't about speaking your truth. It's about speaking the truth. Amen. The truth. Amen. I mean, listen, there, is, there are absolutes. I mean, uh, and it's not just in a religious sense. It's just, it's, it's psychologically speaking. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's scientifically speaking. No matter where you are, there's, there's absolutes in this world. And the, the point of the matter is this. Be careful when you face temptation and you start thinking, you know what? This wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. Maybe one time. Maybe to give in to this or to give in to the other thing. But I'm telling you, right then, you need to grab that thought and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That thought's about to trip me up. I'm getting a hold of it. Amen. You know, unforgiveness. Some people, I'm telling you, we as Christians, we do a really good job about justifying our unforgiveness. Yeah. You don't know what they did to me. Do you know what they did to Jesus? Jesus said, if I can forgive you, you ought to be able to forgive them. Amen? Yeah. And, and the worst thing about a thing like forgiveness, 
And unforgiveness is that unforgiveness doesn't affect the person that you're mad at. You know, it, it turns into bitterness. And let me tell you something about bitterness is a poison that destroys its own container. Bitterness and unforgiveness is me being so frustrated and hurt over what you did to me. I'm going to take some poison. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. But let me tell you something. I know one thing. It's definitely human emotion and we're not always reasonable people. Sometimes it feels good to hold that grudge we think. But in all reality, it's doing us no good. So you know what God says? Grab a hold of it. It's tripping you up. It's making you fall. You better grab hold of it. Tuck it in that truth. And what you'll find out is that God's way is best in this thing. See, if we deliberately allow wrong thinking and wrong believing to continue in our lives, we are making the same kind of mistake that the runner who doesn't, who, who doesn't deliberate, or who deliberately allows his garment to hang down and get caught in his legs. This is why Peter admonishes us to tighten up those areas that the devil will try to grab hold of and use against us. Let me ask you this question. Are there any loose ends that you need to deal with in your life right now? If there are, I'm certain that you already know what some of those areas are. Some of those thoughts that you allow to think. Some of those things that you entertain that you know just aren't right. They're just not beneficial for your life. They're just not beneficial for anybody else. You've, you've believed a lie. Listen, the Holy Spirit's been trying to deal with you about those areas maybe for a long time. But have you been listening? If you continue to ignore His voice, you will pay the price once again of failure. And never reaching your max potential. I'm telling you, everybody in here, God put on this earth for a reason. Yes. God knows you. The very hairs of your hair, head are numbered. The Bible says He sees all your thoughts before you ever think them. There's a God in heaven that loves you. There's a God in heaven that if you could pardon the way I put it, He's crazy about you. Because no one's ever loved you enough to go to the cross for you. See, the only way that you and I could be saved was for Jesus to bear our sins. Because the Bible says we were all born into this world as sinners. The church can't do nothing about that. There's no pastor, priest, or minister, or anything that can do anything about that. There's one man, and it's Jesus. Amen. He paid the price. That's why he went to the cross, because he loves you. He loves you that much. He loves you that much. He wants to save your soul. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants, he wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants you to live a successful life, a victorious life, an abundant Christian life. He wants you to be all that he put you on this earth to be. But you will never realize that potential if you don't get a hold of these truths. You may be here today unsaved. And you may be thinking to yourself, you know what, I've tried religion before. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship. Amen. You may be here thinking, you know what, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to be a good person. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about addressing the heart of the matter if you don't know Christ, accepting. Listen, it's Christmas season. I love Christmas season. Jesus came. Why did He come though? You ever ask yourself that question? Why did He come? The answer is for you. He purchased a gift for you. Have you accepted that gift? Have you accepted that gift? He, he purchased the gift of salvation for you, but you must accept that gift. 
This year, many of us are going to go out and purchase gifts and pay for them. And, and they're, they're, they're going to be paid for, bought with someone in mind. And we're going to offer those gifts to our friends and to our loved ones. But the only way that gift will ever really truly be theirs is when they accept it and take it for their own. I can get a gift. I can pay for it. I can wrap it. I can put a name tag on it to Michael from Jesse. And I can offer it to Michael, but you know what Michael has to do to really make it his? He has to accept it. Isn't it kind of silly if you really think about it and sad? It's just people that don't know. But we celebrate. Praise God, I'm glad Jesus brought a great gift. Well, you need to take it home with you today. You need to take it home with you today. And if you've done that and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, let me tell you something. God Listen, the purpose, he, the purpose He has predestined you for, everybody, that's, everybody has been predestined with a purpose. God, in other words, what God wants to do with your life after you're saved. That's what predestination is. He's got something He's determined to do with your life after you are saved. What is that? I'm telling you, he, he means for you to be a success. And when I say success, I'm not saying that we're going to all be pulling up here you know, in Porsches and Rolls Royce and everything else. That's not what we're talking about. Possibly. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about, listen, people are foolish to get caught up on the things that money can buy and they, they forget the things that money can't buy. That, that's true. That's where the true riches are on the things that, that, that you can't put a price tag on. But I'm talking about joy and peace and being used of God impacting other people's lives. You see, God is only trying to help you when He speaks to you about the loose ends of your life. If you're smart, you'll stop everything you're doing right now, grab hold of those loose dangling ends, and get them to the Lord. Get them to the Lord. Get running this race. Get on the path that He has you to be on. So in closing, what do we do? How do we go about it? Number one, do you have the belt on? Do you have the belt on? If you don't, get it on. How do I get the belt on, preacher? Get in the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. Keep reading it, you will. I'm serious. Reading the Bible, it's a, it's a whole lot like, I remember when I was a kid and they said, uh, go to the, uh, you know, the, the, I, I took weight training one year. And I'm thinking, man, and, and so they're trying to get me to go to the weight room and every, every they, they didn't really make me go, so I just hung out in the gym around the baskets, you know. I didn't want to go to the weight room, you know why? Because I wasn't strong. Now just let that sink in a minute. I didn't want to go to the weight room because I wasn't strong. Now there, there may be some wisdom to that. But what I didn't realize is, well, maybe that's why you need to get your hide to the weight room. Right? You don't go to the weight room because you're strong. You go to the weight room to get strong. Amen? And, uh, and, and that, that, that's, that's kind of the same thing. Get in the Bible. Read it. I don't get it. Read it. Keep reading it. Because here's one of the great things. If you're saved by God's grace, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. And I learned this. Let me tell you something. Um, <laughs> they didn't talk about this as much when I was a kid, uh, but I'm certain that if, I, if they would have done this when I was in school, that I, that I would have been probably diagnosed with ADHD or, or something. I'm telling you, man, I, to, to this day, reading can be a struggle for me. Man, I tell you, you don't even know how bad I struggled reading when I was a kid. I mean, I, I, could, I couldn't hardly read two paragraphs and tell you what I read. Because I was already drifting off thinking of something, what I was doing afterwards and so forth. I mean, I just a struggle, man. Uh, and I'll tell you something else. I, therefore, I hated reading. I hated it. It made me feel dumb. Read. Answer these questions. I just would guess, man. I'm not even joking about how I would do it. I, but I'm telling you something. I got saved. And you know what? I wanted to know the Word of God. And I wanted to know the God of the Word. 
And I was encouraged. And those that beside me said, Jesse, just get in there and read a chapter. At least read some every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. But here's what I was told. Read it. And even when you don't get it, the Holy Spirit of God's on the inside of you and He's going to reach out. I just remember Him saying that. You may not be getting it up here, but you're going to be getting it in here whether you realize it or not. And all of a sudden, and I started finding out it'd be, I'd be in a conversation with somebody and I'd say, you know what the Bible says? And I'd be like, good, now where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? In other words, get in there, read it. I don't get it. Keep reading it anyway. Amen. Get, get, get involved uh, this coming year. Get involved today. But I mean, this coming year, we're going to have some good opportunities to get in some groups that are going to be reading through the Bible together. So, uh, uh, but, but get in the Word. Do you have your belt on? If you aren't in the Word, you will not have the power to be transformed. You're just going to keep tripping. Number two, take a look at your thoughts. Identify and get a hold of the loose ends that's hindering your walk. Get a hold of it. Think about it. What is it that's keeping you from being what God would have you to be or what, 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 he would, what the, the success He wants you to be in this life? Identify those loose hanging things and then bring those thoughts to the truth and tuck them in. Get them under control. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. See, these, these ends that we need to type are things that exalt themselves against God's knowledge. In other words, they say contrary to this book. And when we identify those things, the Bible says bring them into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Get on your feet and be the winner that God would have you to be. Amen? So what do you do? Get, make sure you got the belt on. Examine your thoughts. What's, what, where's the loose ends at? Tuck them in. Get them tucked in and then get on your feet and start running again. Let's all stand, please, and as the pianist comes. And I want to challenge you this morning on these, this whole thought issue. We, we need to gird up the loins of our minds, the Bible says. Then we can be transformed. I think it was Spurgeon years ago that, that made the statement. He said, sometimes thoughts, thoughts are kind of like birds. You know, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, can you? You can't keep a bird from flying over your head. But you know what you can do? You can keep them from making a nest in your head. And that's how thoughts are sometimes, right? That's how thoughts are sometimes. They might come through. We need to get a hold and say, nope, move on. Quote a verse, sing a song, pray a little bit, do something say, not going there. See, some of, many of us believe things about ourselves that God says contrary. God says that we're conquerors, that we're victorious. God has so many great things to say about us. So when you're saying these negative things about yourself, who are you agreeing with exactly? Because you're not agreeing with God. And I want to challenge you one more time on this. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior... Would you please be willing today to open up your heart and accept Him? Wouldn't you like to have a different life? Have you ever thought there's more to life than what you're living? I'm telling you that there is. And that life is in Christ and you can know Him today. No, you don't need religion. You don't just need to do better. You don't need to just turn over a new leaf. You need a new relationship. There's a loving Savior that was born on Christmas Day that grew up to be a man and carried our sins and your sins to a cross, died for our sins, rose again the third day, 
And He wants to know you today. He knows you, but He wants you to know Him. You say, preacher, how do I accept that gift you were talking about? The Bible says salvation is a gift of God. You know how you accept it? The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me tell you something. Just put down whatever it is you're holding on to. Repent and turn to Him. Lord Jesus, I want Your salvation. I want the gift that You purchased for me. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins? Come into your heart and life and be your Savior. I'm not asking if you've ever prayed for over your meal or prayed for some need or anything like that. I'm asking you, have you ever come to the place in your life where you know you need to be saved? You know you need to be forgiven. Saved from your sins is what I'm talking about. Saved from a literal fiery hell. Jesus paid the price so that you could know Him today. Heavenly Father, I thank You, dear Lord, for Your mercy and Your grace. Lord, there's a lot of us tripping in here today. God, and I pray You'd help us, God, to gird up those loose ends. Get them tucked into the truth and start walking. Start running this race for You. God, I pray for that one that may be here today that does not know You as their Savior. Lord, would You please help them to humble their hearts. And right now, dear Lord, from their hearts say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life and be my Savior. Now Lord, if someone could pray a prayer like that from their heart today, dear God, they could accept the wonderful gift of salvation. And if there's someone here today not saved, I pray they would do just that. I pray they wouldn't leave today, God, until they know for sure that they're on their way to heaven and that they know You. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, God. Lord, there's a lot of us tripping, God. And we just don't need to be tripping. Help us to encourage our brothers and our sisters, God. Encourage them on who they are in Christ. Thank You for that, dear Lord. We love You and we bless Your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.